You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. All right, so you guys know that when I stand before you, you know what is expected. So I ask that everyone right now will stand to their feet. Those are here in house, those who are joining me virtually. We heard the prophetic word this morning that the doors are open, that God has come down. And so right now we're gonna put in our mind that thing that we have been waiting for that door to open, whether it is healing our finances, whether it is that spouse that need to be saved and the enemy is lying to you, telling you that there's no need to keep praying because the more you pray, the worse things get. Of course things are gonna get worse because when you move a hornet's nest, you stir up the hornets and they get angry, and so things are happening in the heavenly realm. So let's now take some time and just say thank you, and praise God, expect. Father, we just say thank you right now. We thank you, God. You said you set before us an open door that no man can shut, and so we thank you right now for the open doors, but God, we thank you for positioning us before those open doors right now. We thank you for access today to healing, access today to provision, God, access today to deliverance in Jesus' name. And right now I take authority over the atmosphere. I take authority right now over every resistant spirit. God, we pray that your word would come forth with power unhindered to impact and transform. I'm not here to impress, but God, we want to see impact and transformation. And so I bind right now every lion spirit every deceptive spirit every spirit of confusion every spirit of divination we send right now we release the blood of Jesus right now in this place over every mind, declaring clarity of thought and soundness of mind so that we can hear. And God, I say, let the hearts be open to receive even when it hurts. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, I just, it's always so daunting when I have to do this. <laughs> uh, Good morning, Bridge family, in-house and online. We are so happy that you are here with us. And I just thank God for this word. Um, it's been kind of marinating in me and just first it start coming in drips and then it start flowing out. And so I just thank God for that. And my passion and my desire is that we get to the place where God wants us to be so that we can do what we need to do because time is moving really fast. We're now in the third week of April. Seemed like we were just entering the new year. And here we are right now. We do not have any time to play. We need to get to where we need to get to. And so prayerfully we will all receive what is here today what God wants to say and then start running um, when Pastor Manny was here you know he talked about running a race and running with intentionality not just running aimlessly because you can get hurt and right now we're in a situation that is unfamiliar to many of us we're running in a race in this season, but this race that we're running in this season, we're also running in a season of war. 
And in order to finish strong, we must be focused, we must be faithful, we must be humble, we must be accountable, and as Pastor Vernon said, teachable. It seems like every, I've been with her so long that, you know, she always says something that I've already kind of highlighted in, in what I'm about to say. And yes, we have to be teachable. The word says a fool despise wisdom and instruction. So if you do not like to, you don't want to be teachable, you don't want no one to correct you, you're a fool. I did not say it. It's in the word. It's in Proverbs. Just saying. And so God wants us to finish strong. You know, it's so interesting that God gave me this message on the day before Marathon Monday. He, he has made every provision for us to do so. He never asks us to do anything that he has not given us the ability to do. And we have to remember that. So he has demonstrated that he wants us to finish strong through the finished work of the cross by sending his son the best that he had to offer, the best he sent and gave us the best and he still does that today. He sent him to reclaim and return to us the authority that the enemy took and he he also provided us with a helper and the person of Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the counselor. We have, like the President of the United States and, and presidents as has gone for, uh, after, you know, before him, they all have secret service. We have, we have our secret service also. And the person of the Holy Spirit, and the good thing is that he is everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is with us. And so he sent the Holy Spirit so that when we are running this race, we will finish strong. He stands by us to guide us, to protect us. You need to be in that place. And every morning now I say, Lord, I need you. I ask that you would let Holy Spirit be amplified. Holy Spirit, help me to be in tune. Because a lot of times we're going to God and we're praying to him, but we just dismiss the Holy Spirit. We dismiss the fact that we have this helper. We're going and God is saying, I give you a helper. I give you something. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to figure anything out by yourself because I've given you a helper, a counselor. And so we need to be sensitive and attentive to Holy Spirit. And so he stands with us. And God has provided us also, not just with the Holy Spirit, but with the appropriate weapons that we needed and necessary to to fight this spiritual battle that we are facing every day. Every day is a battle. Yes, he has positioned us well for victory so that we can finish strong, but we must be, you have to be alert. You have to be aware. You have to be engaged so that you can run with intentionality and focus and perseverance to finish strong. Like the people who are getting those laurel wreaths, they're not like, they don't run halfway and that's, oh, I gotta stop, I just can't. Oh, it's just, it's raining, I just can't go any further because it's, oh, I got this pain. No, they have to keep persevering through all that. And so that's what God expects of us. He is pos- because he's pos- positioned us for victory and we don't want to be disqualified. See, my biggest fear is not leaving this earth. It's not death, like this, this death in this body. My biggest fear is leaving and being separated from God. And not, 
are leaving, not separated, but standing before him, and I have not finished the race. I have not taken the ball to the end zone. I have not complete the mission. So those are my two major concerns, and they should be yours too. There's someone and there's something that is at the finish line for us. Jesus is at the finish line, waiting. The cloud of witnesses that have gone before us is referenced in Hebrew 12 and 1. They're there in the grandstand cheering us on. And not only is Jesus at the finish line, but at the finish line, we're not receiving the laurel wreaths that the first one to cross the finish line will receive tomorrow, but we are receiving instead a crown because we are royalty. And the word says in Timothy 4 that there is laid up in the future, there's reserved for me the victor's crown of righteousness. We are the ones that have been made righteous the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there is a crown for us. But we cannot expect, don't think that this race is gonna be easy at all. Don't think it's gonna be smooth. Don't think it's gonna be unhindered. We can't assume that there's not gonna be any obstacles. And that's the thing that gets me when I'm praying with people and people are calling me and something is happening. It's like, why are you just so shocked? Especially people who get a prophetic word. Like, you know, immediately you know that there's an assignment. And so something happens, you're joyous and everything, and then the next thing you know, this assault comes and you are like shocked. We can't be shocked. Don't expect that things are gonna be smooth and unhindered. Don't expect that there are not gonna be any distractions and any attempts to divert and impede and abort our progress. There has to be this expectation, but knowing that there's this expectation, but yet that God always causes us to win. He always causes us to triumph. So even though you expect for the enemy to come and do something, you're looking, expecting for God to empower and enable you to overcome whatever it is that he's plotting and scheming. So we are running a race of life and we also have to war in the midst of running. And you've heard, I mean, over and over, and Pastor Verna has brought the prophetic word before we entered in, that we're entering, Chuck Pierce, of course, have said we're in a decade of war. Pastor Verna said we're entering a season of war. God has given us so many words of encouragement. He had told us in one prophetic word released through her that we would not be going in alone, first of all. So you're running the race. There's a war also that you're battling, but you are not alone. And so we have to know that. Whether we believe it or not, though, there's this adversary whose mission is to oppose us at every level, to disrupt our advancement towards the fulfillment of God's kingdom purposes for our lives. And, it is, and, and if necessary, he will bring untimely death. The enemy, he doesn't care. He will bring untimely death. If there's an opening, if there's access, whatever he needs to do to impede us, he's going to do that. And so in this season of war, the enemy will use the various weapons. He's looking for everything in his arsenal. He has these strategies to throw us off course. And although we may, be, we may experience the, the physical and the natural repercussions of what the enemy is doing, such as sickness or I don't know, some situation, which is the natural, 
our response cannot be natural. It can't be physical because the weapons of our warfare, as you all know, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, the word says, though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on. We're not battling in the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God. They're the pulling down, pulling down, pulling down of strongholds. And sometimes you pull down and you shake that through praise. Like when you think of Paul and Silas and it said at midnight, but necessarily, you know, it's not, at, and, and it just happened that it was, at, they didn't know what time it was because they were in the dungeon. They couldn't tell. So your midnight doesn't necessarily have to be in the night. But the word says that when they lift up their voices, the foundation shook. And that thing that was holding them back, those bars, the door, that gate, broke when when pressure comes on me i start praising god because when you do that you set the enemy on a tailspin because he cannot understand how is it that you're praising god with all of this stuff that's happening and he does not like that because he wants the attention to be on him and as i said previously um I don't know, maybe a year, two years ago when I spoke, I said praise will take the attention off of the enemy and it puts it on God. So now you're not like, you're just dismissing him and you like, go somewhere. (laughs) It's crucial that we understand that the adversary we're dealing with uh, the, we, we need to understand him, who he is. We need to understand the strategies and the weapons that he uses and how he employs them to defeat us. Like I like to, to study and look at videos about the, na- uh, about the SEALs, the Navy SEALs. I, I mean, they do these reconnaissance missions. They study the enemy. They do all of this intelligence they're ready and they go in and you only hear, you hear afterwards of the damage. We want to be that way. I want to be that way. I, I want to be not blindsided. I want to be able to go and I was listening to one video when they were talking about when they got the SEAL Team 6 got Osama Bin Laden. They studied that. They had everything down to a T. And, and, and also, if something happens, the, one of the helicopters broke apart, but they were able to get in, get out, hit the target, do what they need to do. That's what we need to be like. That's what God wants us to be like. Hit the target and get out. No man left, not only that, but no man left behind, which means that it's going to require a unity. It's requiring us recognizing that we're a family and we're not leaving any man behind. So those of us who are stronger, those of us who are at a greater level of understanding and authority and maturity, you cannot leave the other person behind because of where they're at. And that's something that I am constantly um, uh, praying about. Uh, Elizabeth and I, I'm constantly reinforcing that and the team that I'm leading, that we're praying for the the strong must bear the infirmity of the weak. And so we're not leaving any man behind. We are going in. And so you understand, they study the enemy to see what he's all about. We need to know the enemy that is coming against us. Understand what he's doing. Understand. And one thing is that unlike many of us, he is patient. We're not. I am not. 
sometimes. I'm like, Lord, help me. Grace, God, because I don't like wasting time. If I know that there's something to be done, I words, but okay, let me get, what can I do right now to how can I store this word? So that when the time comes for the fulfillment of it, I've already done my part. I don't like wasting time. And so we need to know whatever he, whenever he speaks a word over us, when he calls us to an assignment, we should expect the enemy to formulate and execute a plan to sabotage that word and disrupt and divert us from accomplishing what God has called us to do. Prophetic words have been spoken over this house. Last year, Jamie from uh, Maine commanded a shift. Of course, we felt it in the prayer room before he commanded it. Prophetic words have been spoken and all of a sudden, this stuff that we've been seeing in Elizabeth and I, I said, we got our work cut out for us. And I'm like, okay, and she, one night she was just so, she said, what is it? I want, what is this thing? Because this year, right after the fast, there was just, and the fast, actually, there was stuff that was happening and just, just things. And it's like, what is this? What is this spirit? And of course, me being leading the team, like I cannot, I have to make sure that I'm stored in my emotions, that I'm moving not from the flesh, but listening to God and everything, not reacting to certain things that I'm seeing. But we're like, we're on a mission now. Like, what is it? What is the road? of all this foolishness. And so his weapon of choice is sabotage. It's a strategy to get us off course and out of the race. And that's something that, that there was like these distractions. People were doing things, saying stuff and acting certain ways. And I'm like, okay, this is a distraction. And having been at, coming from a ministry that had kind of been an apostolic center that was just kind of moving in and then the enemy came in and sabotaged, did a work of sabotage. I mean, I never cried so much and I finally had to get to the place saying, I'm done. I am done with all this crying. God, I'm just moving forward. And now there's like this opportunity that what you learn, you need to take heed to, but also make sure that you're moving forward. And so now that this house that we need, we're shifting like from being primarily prophetic to being apostolic, the war, the, the distractions, the things that are coming. But we know a lot more. And we mean in me and Pastor Verna and Lenore, we know a lot more than we did then. And we are not playing. So sabotage, the definition is to intentionally prevent the success of a plan or action. So the enemy's assignment against this house is to prevent us from moving forward, from being a regional place where people are going to come, not just to receive the teaching and, and, and the impartation that they need to take back to their place, because we're not trying to gather members. We're not trying to bring a lot of members and gather members. We are trying to be in a place where we have this house's open for people to come in to receive what they need and then to be deployed in different places. The enemy don't like that. He's not happy with that at all. So he, he, his intent is to prevent the success of the plan, the call on this house. He intentionally, um, he, he will intentionally do something to stop us from achieving one at a time 
individually and collectively, he's gonna do what he needs to do to stop us from achieving what God wants. And this excerpt is from Cindy Trim's book, Rules of Engagement. And she said, the spirit of sabotage operates as strong demonic influences that drive people to abort the progress and success of divinely ordained projects, purposes, relationships, organization, self, potential, and destinies. Like you can even be self-sabotaging. That you get to a certain place and then you don't move forward. When you examine your situation right now, and if you find, okay, you're thriving, you get to a certain place and then all of a sudden you're back again, sabotage. It stirs up jealousy, resentment, and suspicion. You're always like thinking that somebody don't like you. There's this issue. Oh, they look at me funny. He's using you. And it's often vindictive towards the person who detects his presence. See, I am always like, God, I want to be in the know. I like to know. Like I go to the doctor because I want to have a physical and I want to know that there's nothing happening. I want to be, I don't want to get this message this notice someday like oh well we just we just took these tests and we found this that I know I want to know in advance I don't want to be blindsided so sabotage can make you both victim and perpetrator so that even when you pronounce judgment on others you expose and pronounce judgment upon yourself and this spirit is so skillful, will use you as a pawn and a puppet on a string, prohibiting you from detecting its hand. So the enemy is using you and you are not recognizing that he's doing that. And he's looking, working. He released familiar spirits to act as a reconnaissance. Like that's the, their spiritual intelligence team, his spiritual intelligence team. They're, they're scouting you out. They want to see the weaknesses. They want to see what strengths you have. They want to see what breaks and the hedges are there. They want to know your tendencies. Are you one who tend to be like always whiny or looking for attention and validation? Are you insecure, man? You know, you just think that, oh my goodness, oh, this person is better. Are you in that place? Well, then you're a good target. So his intention is to stop the fulfillment of God's plan in your life. Inhibit your spiritual growth and maturity through distractions, through adversity. You're going along and you know, you're doing something. God has called you to something and you're doing what you're supposed to do and then adversity comes out of nowhere. And if you're a parent, the enemy cannot attack you. You're moving with God. Well, then he's gonna go for your kids. So you better learn how to pray. You better don't depend only on the intercessor. See, some of us like, I have this assignment for intercession, but all of us are called to pray. And see, that's the thing. Like, I get messages. People email me. Oh, this is, I just want to think, think, figure you need to see this for prayer. And I'm like, okay, well, are you praying also? Like, I get these assignments all the time. Okay. Oh, you can share this with the prayer team. Yes. But are you joining us? That's the thing. And so his strategy, I'll, uh, we will look now at how he used one, one of many people, but this is one person I want to highlight today, um, and that is Saul. And so all of these different 
things, it's strategies, these little weapons and things that he used. You got large weapons, you got small weapons, you got all kinds of weapons in the arsenal. That's the enemy also. So Saul, he comes on the scene um, during the latter years of um, Samuel's life. Samuel had children that were rebellious. Now Samuel was sold out to God and everything. His kids rebellious, doing everything that they're not supposed to do. That's always the case. That's why I pray for my kids. I said, God, don't let them get comfortable in sin. Anything that they're doing, expose it. Uproot. I am militant when I'm praying for my kids. Militant. And so, I don't know what was wrong with Samuel, but his kids were off the chain. And so now Israel's not happy about that. They're afraid that Samuel will die. And these boys are going to be on over them in his place, exploiting and oppressing and doing all that stuff. So they asked for a king. And so God, he goes before God, and God tells Samuel um, that he will send a man from the land of Benjamin. And this is in uh, 1 Samuel 9, verse 15 to 17. He said, um, you will anoint him as leader. Uh, he will save my people from the hand of the Philistines. This one shall rule over my people as their king. So there's the word, the assignment that has gone forth. Now the enemy's strategy is to sabotage Saul's kingdom purpose and, to be, and, and he begins with a subtle introduction of insecurity and the spirit of rejection. So if you look at 1 Samuel 9, verse 20 to 21, um, you know, Samuel is talking to, he, he, you know, Saul loses his father's donkeys. He's trying to find them. They decide they're going to go to the seer. They need to hear from the seer. He goes, but this is all a setup by God. And so Samuel is speaking to him because God has said, this is the person. And so Samuel tells him um, what God is saying. He says, are they not for you and all your father's household? And, and, and for whom are all things that are desirable in Israel? Are they not for you and your father's household? And Saul replied, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my family the smallest of all? And is not my family the smallest of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken this way to me as if I were very important? So right then and there we see, look at that. Look at that self-esteem issue right now that are right there. He sees himself lower than. And then Saul anoints him, gives him the prophetic word, sends him and tells him what's going to happen, that he's going to prophesy and all this. And here it goes. When all who knew Saul previously saw that he was actually, he actually prophesied now. So whatever Samuel said to him, the word released, start becoming into fruition. And so he's prophesying. And, um, and so the people of the neighborhood are saying, like, what happened to Saul? Who is a nobody? So then here again, fortifying that word over him. Is Saul among the prophets? And so then Saul goes and his, his, his uncle is asking him, what did the prophet say? He did not tell. He tells the prophet, look, about the donkeys and everything, but he did not tell him that he was anointed as king. Did not even receive that. And then further down we go, some worthless men said, how can this man save and rescue us as they regarded Saul with contempt and did not bring him a gift? 
but he ignored the insult and kept silent. So here you see the fortification. Words spoken. That's why when I'm praying for people, I curse every negative word spoken over them. Uproot it. Because our words have life just like God's word has life. And we have to be careful. Be careful what you're saying over your children. And so now this word goes forward and here starts the beginning of the strategy to sabotage. If we're not aware of our, and understand our identity and authority in Christ, the enemy will intimidate and oppress us. He really will. And so now, you know, he gets anointed, he's moving in, um, he does an assignment for him um, to go and, you know, he, he's supposed to be going to, out to battle. And then he's not, he's supposed to wait for Samuel. Samuel is the one who's supposed to do the burnt offerings, do everything before he goes out to battle. And so the pressure comes where he's waiting. He waited seven days. Samuel didn't show up. So now the pressure, because there's people are scattering, you know, the, everyone is left, leaving him and he's now anxious. He's concerned about what he is seeing. He's not waiting. So he decides that he is going to do the burnt offering. And then Samuel shows up and he says, what have you done? What is it? What, what are you doing? And then he comes up with this excuse. Since I saw that the people were scattering away from me and that you did not come within the appointed time. And so how many times when we're waiting on God to do something, we're expecting him, and then we start doing it, trying to do whatever. That temptation comes that you want to leave, you want to do this, you want you're, you, you're not waiting and not knowing what is happening behind the scenes. You know, children, when they're waiting for a meal, they might be sitting in their room, but parents are behind the scenes getting everything ready. They can't see that parents are behind the scenes fixing the meal. All they can think of is they're hungry. And so they're upset. They're no patience, but it takes a process. And so he's telling him this, He's saying, and then so he says, I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel said, you have acted foolishly because now you step out of order. And that's the other thing. The enemy will get you to step out of order. Order, step out of the order, authority, everything. And so he says, you've acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. If you had obeyed, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure. So what does the enemy do? He brings sabotage. Your self-esteem, you're worried, you're concerned, you're looking at man, nobody's standing with you. So, you know, if you're not moving with them, it means that you lost your authority. Um, you're, you're afraid, so you, you're going to step in, and then you're going to do something that you know you're not supposed to do. The enemy has now come in with, you know, this self-esteem issue, this disobedient act, and now sabotage. Because it says, now your kingdom will not endure. The enemy is patient. And our impatience, moving out of God's time, and will put us out of God's will. And it will lead us into disobedience. Believe me, there's things that I would like to be doing. But I cannot move until I hear God. And I am one 
that I have to fleece God. I have to say, God, are you, are you, I need constant like confirmation. We need to recognize God's time and move within it regardless of the external or internal pressures that we face. You got to know when to move. I had a situation a couple of weeks ago when the spirit was moving in this place and Pastor Verna came up behind me and she says, you got a word. Now I'm in my place now. When she comes up all of a sudden, you got a word. I'm like, I don't have a word. She says, yes, I see you. I see you speaking a word. Now, this is the prophet Verna who has spoken in my life so many times and no matter how long the prophetic word takes, it comes to pass. And so, this is prophet Verna and I'm like, I don't have a word. And so she started praying and tongues over me and so I'm like, Lord, Father, please. Because, you know... Because Pastor Paul is here, nothing is moving. Something needs to be released. He can't move out of his place. I'm like, Lord, please, I don't want to be the hindrance. God, if there's a word, can you please release it? And so I'm trying to strain my ears. Then she comes up. He sends her up and she starts releasing her word. And the last sentence of whatever she said, it came. See, the word needed to be released. She saw that. She wasn't a false prophet. She wasn't lying. She wasn't conjuring up something, but the timing. Now, I could have gone up on the pressure from her and fabricated something, and it would have fall flat. Because I could say, well, Pastor Vernon, I got a word. I'm just going to trust God and get up here, and I'm going to say anything. And no, I said, I didn't get a word. But it came right behind her and the timing. And so she released, I released. God did what he needed to do. Wait for God's, recognize it regardless of what the pressure is. Um, And so the enemy is patient. Don't do it. Try to be as patient as him. And Saul never Repent. He never saw anything wrong with him making that sacrifice. He never repented. Then you have the, you, the, the pride that is in him. That was another thing. Pride hinders us from repenting to acknowledging wrong. Because we don't want to say I was wrong. That is not good at all. And so the opposite of Pride is humility. And see, pride, that's the one, a good weapon that the enemy used because see, he got kicked out of heaven because of pride. And so he wants us to follow him. It will cause us to walk in presumption. It It would hinder our acknowledgement of error and repentance when we allow it to be exalted in our lives. We then start this path of self-exaltation. We want to be up there. We want to be making a name for ourselves. Well, you know what? The reality is that God is El Elyon. There's nothing can go above him. So we have no choice but to come under God. You can't go above him. So you have to come under him and every knee must bow. So it will cause you to bring unfounded, unwarranted accusations, do all kinds of crazy things. Then the next Weapon. the next strategy that the enemy used was rebellion, which works collaboratively with pride. Rebellion 
it takes up residence in our lives and it drives us to blatantly disobey, to disrespect authority. It is not compliant with protocol and order. It defies authority to the point of insurrection. It's devious. It is a sin. It is witchcraft. And there was a prayer. We were, I was in this meeting and prayer was going on and one person started highlighting witchcraft. And of course my ears are gonna perk up. And I'm like, ooh, she's praying and taking authority over that. All the way home, that's all I can think of. Praying, Lord will, you know, just, just reveal. And then he said, it is not what you think, it's rebellion. There's a spirit of rebellion release. Get on it. That's what he said. The spirit of rebellion, it is, as the word says, it is the sin of witchcraft. That's, that's what Samuel said to Saul when he did not do what he was supposed to do. And he's coming out with all of these reasons and excuses. The spirit of rebellion is fortified in the hearts of those who refuse to acknowledge error, accept correction, and repent. Do not be a fool. I mean, I'm telling you, Lenore and I, we've got, see, a lot of us, we don't want to accept correction because we're more concerned with the tone than the content of that correction. Believe me, Lenore and I have gone, got a lot of correction from Pastor Verna. And when she comes with that strong tone, and I'm certain Sonia and Shahara knows that when, when you hear that forceful tone, you better know it's serious. So when we hear her and we're not concerned with the delivery, the tone, we then our ears are perked up to the content of what she is saying. And that's the thing. You don't want to accept correction because of the tone, because of the delivery. Well, then you're going to be in trouble. So this is a dangerous place to be because it will shut the door to Holy Spirit operating fully in your lives. You notice if you read, I don't have this so much here that I have, but I can't because of time. But if you read, and I, I just encourage you to go and read through 1 Samuel all the way through. He was so rebellious. I mean, and, and Samuel was... Uh, there is a point in there when he's saying all this stuff and, since, and, and all these excuses, the men did this. We, he was supposed to destroy Agag and everything. Don't leave nothing breathing. He takes some of the, the choice, animals, save Agag, and, and he just come. He said, but I did what you say. Samuel says, stop. I could just, I, and, and when I read that, I just think of Pastor Verna, how sometimes she'd be like, and she'd slap her hands down, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> she will do that. So I said, boy, this prophet, and Samuel, that is really not his disposition, but this righteous indignation that you were in rebellion, not recognizing it, not understanding this gravity of it, and then you are coming up with all of these excuses, and he said, stop. And then that rebellion opened up the door as we know it's witchcraft. And if you go through, you will see that first of all, it silenced the voice. He could not hear God anymore. He's going out to battle. And what does he do? He goes to get a medium to bring Samuel up from the grave. He's now sliding, sliding, full witchcraft, full rebellion. Can't hear God. 
So then you, if you cannot hear God, then when God is saying to you, watch out for that pitfall, Holy Spirit is saying, don't go there, don't get on that train, don't do this, don't do that. You know people that, that whose lives were saved on as, 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 September 11th because God said, no, don't, or whatever, you got to know. You got to be in this place to hear Holy Spirit. And when you are in rebellion, refers rebellion to God because see, he was not rebelling against Samuel. He was rebelling against the instructions of God. And so what does rebellion look like in this house? When the call is made for us to come together and start worshiping and giving our attention and you are doing your little sidebar conversations and not paying attention and Jeremy is up here getting ready to lead us Lead us into the heavenly realm and you're doing your own thing. That is rebellion. Rebellion is when the spirit is moving and Pastor Paul is saying, come, step in, come, come up. And then you're down there. You're doing something else. You got to find something else to do. You're not joining. You're not being united. You're not endeavoring to keep the unity. That is rebellion. When you don't praise God, there's never a reason for you not to praise God. And so when the call is made to open your mouth and praise God, God said, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. And so you are saying, come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's worship him. And then here you are, you're sitting back and you that's rebellion. When the call upon this house is to come, we're, we're, in, 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 uh, we're um, fasting and prayer. The call is to come to pray. And just a few, the intercessors show up. Everybody else is not showing up. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men, all, all, all. So when that call is made for prayer, and Pastor Paul doesn't do anything frivolous. He don't do anything all because he feel like it's a good thing to do. And so when the call is made for prayer, it should not be just the integrative ministry team. Now granted, there are times when our schedule does not allow it. For the most part though, you should be ready and hear and praying. And when he said to come up and pray, don't give a whole sermonette. Don't say everything except praying. One of the things that I do in the prayer room is when people are saying, oh, I see this or I hear that, I said, okay, now pray into it. Pray, 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 because that's what God is calling. And so we have to be careful with this rebellion. And so how do you defeat through full surrender to the Lordship of Christ? That's the beginning of defeating the enemy in your life. So you have to assess your willingness to appropriately steward your free will because it's the use of your free will that by the use of your free will, appropriately stored in that, that's how you submit to God. How willing are you to submit to his word? God don't care about anything. He looks at his word. When he was ready to slaughter Israel, he was ready to wipe them out. And he said to Moses, I'm going to keep you. I'm done with all them. But Moses... He remembered what he said, what God said to Abraham, Isaac, and, and so he said, God, I'm just reminding you of your word and what this is going to look for your reputation. And so it wasn't that God changed his mind because Moses was pleading. It was God changed his mind because he submitted to his own word. So he's submitting to his own word and setting an example for us to submit 
to the word. We must submit to the word. Walk in humility. Be willing to be disciplined and managing our emotions. So somebody say something to you the wrong way, you got to take that free will and believe me, I've been tested all last week with that. Bringing this free will, stored in it, so that I don't say the wrong thing and act the way how my mind and my flesh wants to act. Managing it. Be willing to submit to correction and how and, and understanding how we are willing to prioritize his word in our lives. Let that be a priority. So free will is the freedom of humans to make choices that are not determined by prior causes or by divine intervention. So God should not, he's not gonna divinely intervene. And you know what? I was praying. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm just releasing. I'm just yielding to you, God. I'm just laying my free will on your altar, Father. I just ask that you would just take it. And God stopped me and said, I want you to have your free will. I gave it to you for a purpose. I'm writing, I'm reading what I wrote out. He says, I gave it to you for a purpose. Instead of using it to agree and align and act upon what the devil and your flesh and others are convincing and influencing you to do or to say or to think, I want you to use your free will to demonstrate to everyone around you your love for me your belief and commitment to me and what I say and your determination to align with me and walk in radical faith and unrestrained obedience. Why do you want me to override your free will instead of you using it to choose my way over yours or the devil? Why? See, he gave it to us for a purpose. He said you demonstrate my power in you and you have more impact and authority when you use your free will to walk in opposition to the flesh, the world, and the devil and instead walk in agreement with the spirit of Christ that is in you. The free will I have given you is a demonstration of my love for you and my willingness to trust you to use it to do what I ask you to do over what other internal and external entities are coercing you to do. That's what God is saying to me, and I wrote it out. Just as I freely chose to trust you with the gift of free will, I desire to freely, I desire you to freely use it to trust me and to believe in me that I am and will always look out for your best interest. When you exercise your free will to choose me without reservation and condition over what your flesh or what other entities are influencing you towards, you gain tremendous power and authority and experience greater levels of victory. This is what the devil don't want. So then he is gonna come in and then you're gonna use your free will to, to, to do, to be rebellious or do whatever it is that flesh is coercing you, not knowing that you are aligning yourself with the enemy. I constantly say, God, if there's anything in me I'm missing, dig it up, tear it up. Elizabeth had a dream. I think it was either a dream or a vision with this backhoe that was excavating and there's a lot of excavation that's going on in the spirit realm in this place digging up, uprooting, pulling down. And if I'll tell you, if you are part of this house and you are not willing to align, 
you are not going to rest because we are in prayer. When we come together on Monday, we are not playing. We're not gossiping. We are digging up, uprooting, pulling down, asking God to expose, asking God not to let anyone get comfortable in sin, asking God not to let us be blindsided and confused. And it's just not just for this house, but my heart is for primarily this house and yes, to the outer, but we need to be the one to set the example. And so we war for this house. And so you're gonna either get right, do it the easy way or the hard way, but you're doing it. (laughs) And and you can leave, but believe me, you will be back if this is where God wants you to be. Just, Just saying, just telling you, just telling you. So just to close, there are some areas of our lives where we must play close attention to ensure that we're not giving the devil access to intentionally stop us from achieving what God has purposed for us to receive and accomplish. So in a nutshell, what I'm saying, don't give the devil weapons to use against you. You know, like I look at people who smoke and I'm like, I just don't understand. Like you are paying people who have money You are paying them, putting money in their pocket for them to kill you slowly. What sense does that make? I don't get it. And we know, we know that smoking, you have all kinds of issues with that. But yet, and so don't give the enemy weapons to use against you. Be aware of the emotions that flare in your lives when an action is done, a statement is made, or a lie is inserted in your mind to make you feel that you've been slighted, rejected, or ignored. Like for me, like you guys, if you've been close to me, you know when I pray, especially when it comes to sickness, I'm going after, I am not even focusing on you, I'm just focusing on the attack that is upon you. And so when you come to me for prayer, do not expect me to pamper you and just be, oh gosh, and this. No, I'm going after that thing because my pampering and patting you does not help you. We want to uproot that thing. And so if your wand is always looking for validation and all that, the enemy is going to wreak havoc. Recognize that these are low level weapons that the enemy uses to open the door for him to gain access to disrupt and erode and destroy. And of course, you saw Pastor Verna came out militant a couple of weeks ago. She said, I cut it off. I disrupt. I mean, she was militant, she was forced. She was determined that no, this is not happening, not in my, on my watch and in this house. So the question today is, do you want to finish your race and do you want to finish it strong? Yes. If so, you have to do whatever it takes. And you know, Pastor Paul has been talking about this hunger, helping your way through and pressing in whatever it takes by whatever means necessary. If you have to have sleepless nights before God, whatever it takes, to make it, to run this race, run the course, and make it to the finish line. We must not allow distractions. Something comes to, I mean, all this craziness that was happening just like around um, the, the fast and after, and I'm like, what is this? And, and I was like, then the Holy Spirit said, this, this, is just, this person is just acting, you don't pay attention to what this person is saying and how this person is acting because that is a distraction to what I want you to target. When we, once I hear that, I was like, okay. And I had said what I need. I said, I'm done with this. And I was done because you are not going to distract me. Divert me. 
run the race that God has called you to and the way that he's called you to. Do not be like Saul doing things your way because you will be disqualified. The marathon runners, they have a certain way. One time some lady got on the train and then, no, that is not the way. And then didn't she, didn't she get exposed? Be sure your sins will find you out. Nothing is hidden from God. The word says everything is laid bare, open before him to whom we have to give an account. Do it his way. His way is always the best way, even though you don't necessarily understand it. And so every day I say, God, I stand with you. I stand for you. I stand in you. I stand onto you. I agree even though I don't understand or see everything because I know that you're not going to call me to do anything that will separate me from you that would cause any kind of untimely death. And our daily prayer needs to be, first we need to be steadfast, we need to be alert, we need to be strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. And don't strive in your own strength. The daily prayer should be, investigate my life oh God find out everything about me cross examine me I say that I said God dig up expose see because I want him to do it I don't want public exposure you wait people wait for public exposure when you see that this 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 leader did this and all this stuff God's been talking Holy Spirit been speaking to that person they're just rebellious so he said okay now everybody's gonna know but see I'm saying expose anything so cross examine test me get a clear picture of what I'm about see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong then guide me on the road to eternal life this is Psalm 139 verse 23 to 24 in the message so closing today I ask that you would just take this moment whether for you here and you that are at home and just quiet yourself right now before the Lord And you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, open my eyes to see the areas in my life where I am not fully submitted to the authority of your word and where I have unknowingly aligned with the enemy's plan to sabotage the fulfillment of your purpose in my life. We want to know that. But you know what? It starts first with you being in the kingdom. Would you knowing who God is? Would you have in this relationship with him? And so if you don't know that, that's where it starts. And so I invite you right now to join me in saying, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save me. I receive Jesus right now. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I Commit, Father, to going your way and to turn from the practice of sin. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for freeing me. In Jesus' name.
And so, Father, I just pray for those right now that might have prayed that prayer for the first time, that, God, that you will silence the lie of the enemy that might tell them that it is just words. God, we say today it's not just words, but it is a commitment. And I just thank you for the grace that you would infuse in them to stand. I thank you for revealing yourself to them at greater levels right now. God, I thank you for the ones that you would put alongside them to help them on this journey in the name of Jesus. And so I am just going to have the ministry team come. We're praying for healing today, but for the other stuff, like you need to either be at the altar or in your seat, and you need to be doing this internal assessment. I do an internal assessment every week, every day, almost or every week, and I, I need a report card. We need to know if there's anything in us right now, any rebellion, any resistance to, to any lack of submitted, submission to authority, any place where you have grieved Holy Spirit and dishonored him by your behavior and your thoughts and your actions, deal with that right now because you want to be the best person. You want to receive the crown. You want to receive what God has for you. You want to finish the race strong and you cannot do it unless you are in this place of recognition and acknowledgement and then repentance and transformation. Um, there is no um, online prayer today. We just have the in-house prayer. We have dream interpretations today. And for those of you, when you're ready, you can be dismissed to go um, get your children, but really, you want to respond and you want to do this assessment. I am constantly, I mean, this is just like a hard thing for uh, Elizabeth and I. Our heart is for us to be thriving, to be soaring, to be moving and whatever ministry gift that God is calling for us to bloom. This is the year for us to bloom and to burst forth. And we are desiring that and we're praying for it. But we need your cooperation and it starts with you being in this place to submit and to yield and to cooperate with Holy Spirit and to be responsive to our leader when he is calling us to, to instruct us. You have to trust that he is hearing from God and you respond accordingly. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.